intentional, tactical, and actionable information you can use to take your real estate investing business to the next level. This is REI Rocket Fuel. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the REI Rocket Fuel podcast. Today, I am honored to be joined by Cody Schrader. Schroeder? Schrader, but you can pick whichever one you like. I'm sure you've been called worse. Yeah. <laughs> uh, local real estate investor, developer, property management company owner, pizza maker. What else do you do? I mean, what's the... What's the <laughs> Man, I, I try to dabble in a little bit of everything. Uh, lately, I've been doing more stuff, letting other people uh, take care of my money. So I've got some um, mobile home park stuff in the works. I've got Ooh. some apartment stuff in the works. I've got some new construction going that other people are building for me. Other people are managing. Even though I've got uh, my own management company in-house, um, I, I do try to spread everything out. Cool. I'm sure we'll get into all of that today. So Cody, why don't you... Tell our audience, tell me, uh, how'd you get started? Yeah, well, first of all, thanks for thanks for uh, having me on the podcast. Uh, getting started for me, uh, straight out of college, my wife and I bought a house on the west side of Wichita, and there's three years of nights and weekends just fixing it up, putting every last dollar that we, ha dollar that we had into it, and um, we ended up selling it three years later, and we made, oh, probably... Uh, fifty or sixty thousand on it, um, and got that got that back in cash actually once we sold it. So we probably made twenty five on it, but when we're just you know putting all of our excess cash into it, um, it didn't seem like we were you know losing money the whole time just because that's that's where the money was going. But sure. when we sold it and we see a big influx of cash, fifty thousand dollars that that helped us put a down payment on the next house that we were moving into. And then we had about $30,000 left over to buy uh, our first couple of duplexes. Um, so then going from there, I, um, I did the same thing with that house. But instead of spending three years on it, I spent about 11 months on it. Hey, we made, up. yeah, so same thing happened. We were just pouring all kinds of money into it. Um, all the income from the duplexes was going into it. <clears throat> and we were living pretty frugally for those first four or five years. And then um, when we sold that, we we made even more on that. I bought that one for sixty six, sold it for one hundred and sixty six, um, and we'd put about fifty thousand into it, but a whole bunch of sweat equity. That's awesome. Um, so yeah, so that one worked out really well. Like for you guys us. were living in this house while you're fixing it up. Yeah, I can't okay. talk about it out loud with my wife because uh, it brings back some bad memories. There was uh, <laughs> there was. About six months on that second house, we were living in the basement. I thought it was going to be great, um, but we could not fit our bed down in the basement. So she was sleeping on a twin, and I was sleeping on a couch uh, for about six months. It was uh, it was tough on the oh, marriage, but no. we made it through. Um, God bless so, you. Yeah, she it's is tough. she is amazing. Um, but uh, we were no stranger to sacrifice in order to to push the business forward. Yeah. So we made that money and. We were able to put 20% down on, on what at the time was our dream house out in the country that, that we just loved. And um, we've been there for about four years now. But in between, you know, all that extra money went into real estate. Um, as soon as I would run out of money, um, I had, you know, five or six duplexes at the time. And 
my parents, uh, siblings, friends are kind of seeing what I was doing and, and seeing some of the returns. And so they've got some excess cash. And so they're coming to me saying, Hey, can we, can we be a part of it? And so that's cool. Uh, I got some, yeah, got some favorable deals with them and was really able to uh, expand pretty quickly uh, just with my, my residential real estate portfolio. Yeah. So like- that was, yeah, that was a brief synopsis of how I started. That, yeah, that was that I can only imagine all of like the layers and layers and hours that we could spend going into each level of all of that. But I know you're a busy guy and I want to value that. So we'll keep it short here. Uh, so we talked about how you got started. Let's talk about why, why did you guys get started in real estate? What, what, triggered you and your wife to live in a construction zone for three years and then into another construction zone for another year. Like why, why did you guys do that versus, you know, putting your money in stocks or putting your money into a, you know, a more traditional route? Yeah. So I'm not going to have the same answer as most people. A lot of people read a lot of books. They hear a lot of stories. They watch this podcast or 10 other ones. Um, and they, they get inspired to do that. They, they have a lot of tools to get started. Um, I didn't have a mentor. Um, unfortunately, looking back, I, I sure wish I did. I would have started out and done, done a lot of things differently yeah. or not done some things at all. Um, so I didn't start with anything like that. Um, my dad had one, uh, one rental. It was his first house he bought. And then when they moved, they just kept it and rented it. And so I thought, you know, I, I want to do something like that. I've always been just motivated by money in general, not, not any specific direction, but just uh, turning $1 into two has always excited me. So it was really when I sold our first house that we were living in um, that I saw that, man, uh, you know, flipping this house is great, but I worked for three years to make, yeah, three, three years, uh, a lot of nights and, and weekends to make, um, you know, 30 to 20, 25, $30,000. Um, but why don't I just buy a house that, that somebody else is paying for the mortgage on and I can't, I can't do this. And, and it was an additional, what, 10 grand a year. So it's, right. it's not enough to, for all that work. It just wasn't enough to motivate me to keep doing that over and over. So I was like, how can I, make this into something that's a little more self-sustaining. So I found myself a management company, uh, you know, I just vowed to never my personal style. I vowed to never manage my own stuff. Mm. I always have somebody else doing it. Um, and we'll talk about why I started a management company later. I'm yeah. sure. <laughs> let's, but, uh, let's but get, that's, that's why I got started. I, I got that chunk of cash and I just thought, you know, I'm, I'm I can multiply it fivefold yeah. if I put 20% down versus throwing in stocks. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's it. It it sounds like your answer is very similar to a lot of people's answer to that question. And it's leverage. Like, yes, you could take 50,000, you can take a hundred thousand dollars and you can go buy $500,000 worth of real estate, or you can take a hundred thousand dollars and you can buy a hundred thousand dollars worth of stocks. I like my odds leveraging that hundred into 500 and that 500 into 2 million and so on and so forth. Yeah. And for, for so many other reasons too. I mean, you've got a ton of control over your own property. You can, yeah. it, with a little bit of experience and, and since then I've read you know dozens of books on, on the subject, uh, listened to tons of people, uh, been in seminars, all kinds of different things that um, if you use that knowledge, uh, you can, 
you're building your own future. You're not, uh, when you put stuff into stocks or, or some other things, you're letting other people build that for you. They do a great job sure. and that's why they've been successful and, and all these different, uh, you know, companies can approve an average 7% return over 50 years or, or whatever it is. Um, so they have a very steady return from the safer stocks, but, um, a 7% return would just does not excite me when, when I can turn something and, right. and double it, double it in a year with just a little bit of knowledge. And oh, yeah. you, I mean, to be able to get a 14 or 15% return on your money in real estate, you could do that in 120 days. If you buy the right yeah. deal and you rehab it and you sell it and you turn it quick, you could turn $15,000, $20,000 into $50,000, $60,000 in not a very long amount of time. And that's, that's always been my favorite thing in real estate is I had seen that and it was, okay, that can be duplicated and that can be scaled and that can be really, really big, really fast. For sure. If it's done right, of course. So what's the biggest, uh, before we get into management, I've never, I've never come across anybody that owns a management company that didn't start that management company out of necessity of managing their own portfolio. Uh, I've never met anyone that has a management company that doesn't even manage his own stuff. So I'm really curious to get into that. But before we do, what's the biggest, what's the biggest lesson that you've learned on your journey? X amount of years. What was it? Six or seven years ago you started? Yeah. In 2015, I bought my first duplex okay. in 2013, 12 or 13 is when I bought that first house. Okay. But, so uh, coming up on 10 years. Nine yeah. Years. Yeah. So I'd say the biggest lesson, um, my, my first real loss was I was getting a little cocky, you know, things were working out. I hadn't had a deal go South yet. I was looking at a house and it was a little, a little too pricey for me, but the thing was a wholesaler probably that said, Hey, you want this one right next door? And I said, oh, I don't know, let's, let's go look at it. And he's like, well, it's a, it's a piece of junk, but it's only 10,000 bucks. And I was like, in my head, I'm like, well, 10,000 bucks. I, yeah. How I've can I go that. wrong? <laughs> yeah. And the so famous last words of a fool is, what can go wrong? How can I yeah. So this thing looks terrible. I was like, uh, no, quick paint job, quick uh, re-roof on it. Walked through it real quick. The basement was full, almost up to the up to the joists in trash. But I was like, okay, we clean that out. No big deal. Um, I'll put $15,000 into this thing. It'll be worth forty or fifty. dollars um, Well, when we cleaned all that trash out, there was significant structural damage in the basement that was just oh. impossible to see before that. Sure. Um, so we spent an extra ten or $12,000 on beams. That's doing all the work ourselves in-house. Um, and, and I ended up, when I sold that one, <laughs> I ended up bringing money to closing a couple thousand bucks um, after paying off the loan and everything else. So um, I guess my biggest lesson is you're, you're never too big, um, to make a fool out of yourself and, and lose some money on a project just because you've done one a hundred times. Right. Every house is a little different. Every house had, you know, is built a little different, different areas, um, different financing at the time. Yeah. Uh, there's all kinds of different reasons why the same deal won't work next door to each other uh, right. or, you know, you know, the same house that you sold and you're going to buy it again 10 years later and it's the same price, but it doesn't work now. And it did then, you know, there's just so many different reasons. So, um, having, having kind of your checklist of everything you want in every property, everything you need, 
and actually going down that not taking anything for granted like oh that basement's probably gonna be okay i mean i didn't even think about it i just thought we'll clean it out and be good yeah Um, yeah and so there's there's been a lot more expensive mistakes since then for for different reasons but that was that was my first real loss um and i just kind of learned from there that no experience is going to the experience doesn't prevent you from making mistakes it's if you use that experience on every single deal and don't don't just try to go fast and and move on to the next one yeah Um, that's that's uh, how you're gonna no sorry go ahead i didn't mean to cut you off no i was just saying that's how that's how you're gonna avoid the mistakes is using your information and not uh just assuming it's gonna be okay because the last one was yeah no that's that's it every single person that every single guest that I've had on, on the show is really high level, doing a lot of deals, very successful business, and you're no exception to that. And every single person has the same answer or a, a some version of that answer of things were going good. I thought I was bulletproof. I thought everything I touched was going to be magic. And I was just this real estate magician. And then I found out that I wasn't and I got my teeth kicked in. And I've had that happen. I mean, it, there's, I've, you know, stuff started going really well. And it was like, oh, let's do this and do that and do this too. Cause we can just do it all. And it's like, oh, those things we lost money on. We lost money on this. The core business was subsidizing those losses. And it's like, man, we need to stay disciplined, stay focused, you know, be an inch wide and 10 miles deep on what you're really, really good at. Um, and that's that, 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 Sounds like the message that you're getting across. And if, you mean, if anybody were to go back and listen to the episode, that's the same answer every time. Is that some point early on, they got a little cocky. They were like, I can't lose. Anything I buy, I make money on every time. I'm a, I'm a genius. I've got it figured out. And then they get their teeth kicked in and they realize they don't have it figured out. So everybody along the way has got to pay the tuition. They've got to pay the, they got to pay stupid tax somewhere along the way. Uh, some people are fortunate enough to have it done really, really early on. So they don't make it once they get bigger. Some people are fortunate in the fact that it didn't happen until they could afford to lose $15,000 and not have to shut the door. So that's the, that's the, uh, that's tough. If you're listening to this show, you're probably a real estate investor. You could be on the fence about getting into the game, just starting out or looking to take your existing business to the next level. And with all the different information out there, it can be hard to know where to start and who to trust. And that's exactly why my team and I created REI Rocket Fuel, a coaching company for real estate investors built by real estate investors. And it puts our decade of experience and over $100 million in transactions to work for you. Whether you want to learn to flip, wholesale, or buy rentals, we'll cover everything from getting off the ground, growth roadblocks along the way, and we'll provide expert insight into scalable strategies for your business. Visit our website to set up a call with our team today at www.reirocketfuel.com. So that's the biggest lesson you've learned. Is that also the biggest mistake you've made in real estate? No, absolutely not. Um, Biggest mistake I've made in real estate. So um, and you can't say that you wish you would have bought more houses <laughs> earlier because that's I, everybody's answer. I can see why that would be a lot of people's answer. That's um, that's honestly never really been my answer just because um, I always do what I what I think is going to be best at the time. Um, I'm 
I'm extremely blessed to be where I am right now. And if I'd done something different, I might not be, you know, I might've tried to buy everything and the debt would have buried me because I made stupid deals because I moved too fast. You know, there's, there's tons of reasons why I'm just so thankful for the, for the path that, um, you know, kind of has been laid out for me and that luckily I've taken, um, I've taken advantage of good deals and, and it's worked out. But if we're talking like the biggest money mistake, I've got a, a couple that, uh, one that's going to turn out. Okay. I, I'm working on a development and I, I was trying to partner with, uh, some other developers didn't really work out too well. And being the magician that I am, uh, I just kind of moved forward. We had that thing drawn up. I spent 40 grand on engineering, um, did not have the funding to back that. So we couldn't get a bank on board and we're just kind of sitting there in limbo for, for months while our, while our loan on the land is just, you know, accruing racking up a little over a thousand, yeah, a thousand bucks a month in interest that we're just paying out of pocket, me and another partner. And so we decided, you know what, let's, let's, uh, go ahead and redraw this. Every developer, every builder that I talked to said, Hey, I like the land. I don't like the deal because of the way it's drawn. I just, I didn't know what I didn't know. And so we had it redrawn um, about halfway through that. We're about 20 grand into that. Uh, we decided that we didn't like that layout either. <laughs> so no. we're about 60, $65,000 into engineering into, when into we took a big, yeah, just drawings that, that <laughs> we're about to throw away. And uh, this is, this is about two years ago when we started this process. So um, we're, we're just neck deep in this thing. And uh, we take a big step back. I put my pride away because I kind of built these drawings off of what I thought was going to be successful, even though everybody was telling me it wasn't everybody um except for my partner and he's just like whatever you think cody you're a yeah. magician yeah and so yeah and so we're neck deep in this thing and i finally just said okay i'm i'm done doing my thing i'm gonna do what what everybody's telling me to do and just decided that i i didn't know as much about development since my first one uh put that pride down we we drew it a little bit differently you know got those got those uh drawings through and i'm gonna make a boatload on the development it's gonna turn out go. just fine but in the meantime i'm sitting here a year of wasted time and 60 and grand short 60 grand short just out of pocket you know yeah. um nobody's nobody's paying for that so we got the loan refinance we just got all this through and letters of credit are signed now so we're moving forward with that i'm gonna make good money but what a what a waste of time and money so so that was um a big mistake could have been done and already paid back and already over with, but you took two years to. Yeah. And, and that was just a, a me thing. That was definitely on me for, for not setting my pride down earlier. Um, uh, another big mistake that's just unavoidable. Um, but even more expensive than that, we just had, uh, I'm having a builder build some, um, some twin homes for me up in Bel Air and we're, we're kind of partnering on them. So there's no contract of an actual sale price. He and I are just working on it together, but he's doing the work on it. So we hired a, a company to do uh, some concrete work, the basements in them, because there's full finished basements in these twin homes. Ah, cool. And um, so they got the first one done real quick. The second one, they had walls formed up. The third one, they were doing footings on. Uh, we, we had 75 grand out to them. And they just completely botched it. The second one, they they only filled the walls half full because they ran out of time with the pump truck. The third one didn't have level. 
uh, ended up having to, to pull out footings out of the ground. The second one, we had to strip the forms completely off and demo the whole thing. And we thought, well, at least we can save that first one because it was done. Well, we had uh, some engineers come out and we actually had the walls x-rayed. They didn't have the rebar in where they needed to. They had the whole building six inches too low, so it wasn't going to drain right. So we ended up having to demo out an entire basement. So at this point, we're negative, not just the 75, because then we got all the demo fees. We got to re-excavate everything um, to make it right. So we're, and they hadn't paid back like some of the concrete um, that that they had shipped out there. They didn't pay. So we're like uh, 150 grand deep on that. So... (laughs) I don't know if that's considered a mistake. I mean, what else do you do on the front end? You know, you, sometimes you, we even vetted their work. They said, you know, Hey, go out and look at this project. This is one that we did a couple of years ago. We look at it. It looks fine. I don't even think that was their product. Anymore. No, I was, I, I was just about to say, did you verify that was their project? But, um, Gosh. you know, they were, they were the cheapest, but that wasn't the biggest reason we used them. They were the fastest. They could start in like a week and everybody else is two months out on basement work because basements are just impossible to get people out. Awesome. And, uh, you know, so I can't even tell you what I learned from that other than we need to get maybe references on, on subs that you're using. So if you're, if you're trying to hire somebody to do a, a remodel for you, you're going to do this flip. It's going to be super easy. You know, you're buying it for 20. It's got a hundred thousand dollar ARV. And you hire somebody that's going to do thirty thousand dollars worth of work and make it perfect. You better verify, verify. with somebody else that's actually used them uh, on a couple projects that that they're actually going to follow through. Don't take their word for it. Don't walk yeah. through a project they said they did. Right. Um, but actually verify with references that you trust. Um, but that one was. And so, I mean, is that one going to turn out okay? I mean, we'll, we'll probably come out a little bit above break even on them yeah. across four four twin homes, but it sure would have been nice to make that extra 150 grand. Uh, yeah. So. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I could not agree more with the vetting contractors. I learned that on the first two houses I did, I bought two big houses and they needed huge rehabs. And I was like, I got this. I'm in real estate. I can do this. No one knows the game. Like I do. I got, I can do anything I want. And, um, the contractor that I had was like a mutual friend of another buddy of mine. So I knew him and I had like hung out with him and he seemed cool and seemed like a straight shooter. And I was all excited. Had I asked two people in my immediate circle, like if I had made two phone calls, two easy phone calls to people I'm talking to anyway, and had asked, Hey, have you ever done work with insert contractor's name? They would have said, oh, God, run away. He's this, he's that, blah, blah, blah. It's bad. He took me for 80 grand on two houses right when I started flipping houses. My first two projects that I ever did, I lost $80,000 between the two of them. All went away, ran off with labor deposits. And had I made two phone calls, they would have said, oh, yeah, he did that exact thing to someone that I know don't use him. But I was like, what could go wrong? I had my, I can, you know, I am the magician. Everything I touch, it's just going to work out. I was riding high and took me off the horse real quick for that. So that, especially at the beginning. Oh, that was, that was every dollar I had spare laying around to lose. And 
It was gone in two weeks. Gone. I just watched it evaporate. It was terrifying. So 2019 was a rough year for Lawton for recovering that money. So, but it's done and he's not a contractor anymore. So it all worked out. So <laughs> nonetheless, yeah. nonetheless. Uh, so tell us about your business today. We've talked about how you got started, why you got started, you know, lessons you've learned and mistakes you've made leading up to this point. Where is your business today? What are you buying? Where are you buying? What are you building? Where are you building? Just kind of give us a 30,000 foot view, CEO level. What does your business look like today? So um, as much as a lot of people, just like you said, an inch wide, a mile deep, I'm, I really am. I used to be like that. And um, I, I think I just got bored a little bit. Uh, it did become easy, you know, a little mistake here, a little mistake there, but right. it became easy. And, and um, I just, yeah, I didn't really love it anymore. At one point I even told my wife, I was like, I don't even know if I want to want to do this anymore. Like I just, I go into work and I kind of sit around and I would just take things that pop up, but I didn't really like go search for anything. Um, right. it, it just wasn't, wasn't a passion anymore. And, uh, as with real estate, you know, when things do pop up, it's like, bam, bam, bam. There's like four things in a week and I'm just yeah. buried. And, and I think it was two, three days, maybe later that I had told her, never mind, I love it again. <laughs> like, let's, let's keep going. Yeah. I'm back on the ship. Um, but so, so right now I've got a number of, I've got a, a few apartments, um, in the area. I don't have any apartments out of state. I've got a number of single family homes that I've, I've bought from Lawton or I've even found on the MLS uh, for the right price. Um, and then I've got uh, a partner that I'm buying lots for a builder to build on in Colorado. He's building some cabins out there. And so oh, we just bought a sweet. lot. We're at in Colorado. Yeah, so in the Fairplay area. So just okay. south of like Breckenridge. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's about 45 minutes away from a lot of slopes. And so it's a good, Airbnb area for people to buy. So national buyers are lining oh, yeah. up to buy these things before they're even built. I was going to um, say, so you're, <laughs> you're selling the lots or you own the lots and you're selling the lots to the builder. So the builder, um, he, he doesn't have enough cash to buy the lots, all the lots as ah, they pop up. Gotcha. So okay. uh, he makes enough on the builds that he says, you know, I, I can't stand to see these things fall off the market. I can't buy it right now. So I'm willing to pay you guys uh, some interest on on your money if you go ahead and purchase them. Um, then within 18 months, he's ready to build a house on it, and uh, he's got kind of an innovative process of he builds the houses here and ships them out there on on trucks. Oh kind no of. way! So it's it's kind of like paneled housing, yeah. but they're these awesome cabins, large cabins with you know 18 foot ceilings. So they're awesome houses what? that he's able to build. Yeah, it's pretty sweet. Oh, that's um, so, that's bad at the bone, man. You're gonna have to yeah, sh uh, show me what these look like offline. Yeah, yeah, for that's sure. Sweet. But so, so that's one thing that I'm doing with a partner, and that's just a cash deal. We gotta put the money in to buy the lots. Uh, we split it fifty fifty, and then when when this guy's ready to build on it, he uh, or ready to sell the house that's on it, we deed it over, and and he uh, pays us back plus plus some interest. That's one thing. Um, that's the the builder that is building for me in, in Bel Air, he also, he's a pretty aggressive guy. So he goes out and finds lots for me actually. And um, he tries to get eight to 10 at a time. So, cause it's more of a production type sure. build. So sure. um, 
but we just bought um, or put under contract eight lots in Park City that he's getting ready to build on. So he's got kind of this like every couple months he brings me a few more uh, lots to buy. So yeah, I've got that going. Um, I've got um, this development down in Southeast Wichita that I'm doing with with a partner. Uh, that's getting ready to break ground on some yeah, that's the, utilities and everything. That's the two year project. Oh yeah. And uh, <laughs> two years. Either I learned my drawings. <laughs> yeah. Either I learned my lesson on that or else I didn't because I've got another one in Valley center that I'm getting ready to put under contract, a much larger one um, to develop that. Um, and then I've got the, the management company, obviously uh, we talked about saving grace management and um I was just talking to a guy before this meeting here. I'm partnering on a mobile home park in Iowa that he's going to take over and manage for me. Or he's managing for, for us, rather. He's kind of the brains behind that deal. Um, so that's uh, on some of the ones that I've bought from you. Either I keep them and rent them or on some of them I do uh, like a contract for deed or rent to own type scenario. Um, keeps my maintenance costs down to zero and right. helps with really steady income, but that's not uh, obviously any sort of equity or net worth play every right. month. My, my net worth on that building goes down a little bit, down. but it's right. steady, steady cash flow. So um, steady cash flow and then a payoff at the end. Yeah. If, yep. if, if they are to refinance you out. Yeah. Yeah, so I don't put balloons on mine. I just take the steady cash flow till the yeah. end. If they want to buy it out, then great. I'm happy. But um, I got all that. I got one commercial building um, that's been real rough. Sat vacant for a long time. Uh oh. Um, yeah. I don't want to talk about it. But... <laughs> <laughs> uh. <laughs> so um, I think I think that's it. I. I claim to know a little bit about a lot of different things, but uh, I wouldn't be an expert on any one of those things. I don't think I just, I, it keeps it interesting for me and I hopefully lose a little uh, money and gain a lot of money on every single different type of venture and uh, you know, keep moving forward. I love it. I love it. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's a, uh, people say, you know, Jack of all trades, but a master of none. But then they leave off the last half of that sentence, which is, but still better than a master of one. So yeah. that sounds like, you know, kind of where your head is at. You know, you used to be an inch wide and a hundred miles deep on one thing. And then over time, you kind of expanded and expanded and expanded. But it sounds like it, I mean, it's still all real estate. Like it's yeah, it's all real estate. Yeah, like related. it's still all real estate in your wheelhouse, and that's where you're inch wide, ten miles deep, a hundred miles deep. Now is real estate. You've added more tools to the toolbox of development and commercial and apartments versus just onesie twosie single family at a time. Uh, but it's not like you took money out of real estate and went and started an insurance company, or took money out of real estate and went and opened a restaurant. Cause you're just this like serial entrepreneur. You're still real estate. Yes. It is all, it is all investment based. I mean, some people would say that building the houses and selling them isn't an investment. It's a job. Um, I tend to agree with that 
but at the same time, that's why I have a little bit of everything. I've got some investment stuff. I've got some job stuff, but my job stuff, I'm not, I'm not spending the day out there with a shovel right. and a hammer. I, I'm paying other people to do that because right. I just don't have the time and, oh, yeah. and I'd rather. Your time's too valuable. If you're out there swinging the hammer, something went horribly, horribly wrong. Yeah. Very bad. Yeah. Yeah. So, that's, that's cool. That's now, right happened, a lot of people talk about, you know, the average millionaire's got seven or eight, you know, different income streams. And so many people, I think, get lost in, okay, I need to get seven income streams as fast as I can. But, you know, look below the sur surface. Those millionaires made the not 99% of their wealth in one thing. And then they had all this money and then they diversify. And now they have multiple income streams. But for so many of them, for so long, they were blinders on, narrow focus, inch wide, 10 miles, 100 miles deep on one thing that made them the money. So then they diversified. You know, they had an exit. They sold their business or their you know, they sold a portion of the business and got a huge capital injection. Now they've got all this cash. What do I do with it? Now let's go diversify and get into different income streams. But it all starts with that one core one that builds up, starts to run itself and you sell it. Either way, it doesn't need you anymore. And you kind of get to your point where I'm kind of bored. Like, now what do I do? It's like, okay, now you go and diversify but you have to get to that point first. And I think so many people get into it and they try to wholesale and flip and buy rentals and do apartment owner carries because they don't have the money to buy apartment buildings. So they're over leveraged or they're using other people's money, but they've never raised money before. So they don't know how. And they're, they're just running all over the place and they're getting to the point where nothing is working. They're doing a lot of stuff, but nothing is working. Nothing's really scalable there's no processes there's no people there's no product there's no business they just have 11 different jobs but not one core business so that would be you know a perfect illustration and explanation to anybody watching of getting to that point to where you diversify you didn't just jump into real estate and so okay we're going to build these twin homes and build this and redevelop this land and buy this commercial building and buy rentals and do flips and do this. You did one thing really, really well, built it up, made a bunch of money, were really successful, and then started to diversify once there was a core business to support the diversifications. Yeah, I couldn't have said it better myself. I mean, my my main focus at first was like class D properties uh, between here and a ton of stuff in Hutchinson. I, I bought... Uh, a bunch in Hutch, uh, 50, 60 units within a couple of years um, off wow. the bat. And I mean, there was a couple portfolios that the bank had, had repoed that I oh, got nice. for cheap and then bought some from the guy that they'd repoed it from um, because he had no money. And so he had some more that, that I basically stole from him. Um, and then just other stuff because Hutch has a, a larger class D market oh, than... Um, sure then Wichita is a percentage and uh, their stuff tends to be, you know, maybe a small percentage cheaper on rent, but a, a large percentage cheaper on purchase price. price. Yeah. Um, and so I bought a ton there. And then when, you know, that, that was my, my main focus of, of everything. And then when all the prices went high, 
nobody cared if it was and by then it's kind of class c instead because we kind of built it up a little bit sure um but i did not make much money along the way because, because of all the maintenance and vacancy and everything else but as soon as all the pricing kind of went sky high over the last three years um i started selling all that off and that's exactly what you're saying you sell that that main hustle and i sold a lot of property over the last three years um and and bought some better investments refinanced those right. just came up with a windfall of tax-free cash on some some great refinances and you know partnering with the right people to get those um appraisals up and the bank to be real comfortable so you're getting 80 percent ltv instead of right. 65 on some other stuff that i've gotten when i first started um on longer term so we got some great financing off of that and so that windfall of cash is is when I was able to start buying some stuff from you for cash or yeah. when I was able to, um, you know, actually be interested in 80 acres in Valley Center where I can stomach something like that versus right. just being like, how am I, how am I going to do this? You know, how many right. partners do I need? And am I going to do all this work for 10% of the final product? Well, 10% is better than none, but Absolutely. is it when you're doing all that work and you can spend your time and the little money you do have on something else? Um, there's just so many different ways you can go with it. But, um, luckily, yeah, when I sold all that stuff, I was able to, to bring in enough money and some of it I exchanged, but most of it, I just kept the money, pay a little bit of taxes and, uh, able to put that into some better income producing property or, or land. Yeah. Something maybe higher, higher class, like you traded a class D really high cash flow. Well, I guess you were putting a lot of money into maintenance, but in theory, D-class property you bought for twenty five that you rent out for six ninety five on Section Eight cash flow strong, but at least in Wichita, that house you bought for twenty five and you've been renting it for six ninety five and you've put twenty thousand into it over the last ten years, the house is still worth twenty five thousand just because of where it is, and so yeah. you know, you're able to move out of the cash flow play into more of an appreciation, longer term, just safe money play, maybe in some nicer, more consistent or more, more appreciating areas. Yeah. And that's, that's one of my goals. I've got three different goals with that land in Valley Center. And one of them is uh, to build and hold uh, some multifamily. And so that would be, I mean, Valley Center is a great area. We're right next to the high school. So it's kind of a, a slam dunk for, building production houses that's kind of away from the nicer single family area right uh, so awesome. yeah that's definitely one of my goals there that's way cool that's cool do you ever wish there was a map for building a real estate investing business something that lays it all out for you when to make your first hire what systems to build and what roles to scale yourself out of well you're in luck my team and i have put together the rei roadmap a step-by-step guide to building a real estate machine in your market And the best part, it's totally free. Head over to our website and download your copy at reirocketfuel.com slash map. That's reirocketfuel.com slash M-A-P. So all along the way, all the mistakes, you know, the hires and the hires, the dopes and the nopes, everything along the way, what has, why have you, you been so successful in an industry where so many people come into it hot and heavy and they're gone. Why have you been successful when so many others have, what makes you great 
is what I'm asking. What has led you to be so successful in a hyper-competitive industry where so many people are going after the same cheese and you've been able to succeed? Um, so I've got a pretty simple, like when I was buying those class D properties, I had like a super simple formula and, you know, after a year of using it and being cautious. And so I only get, you know, 10% of the deals that I'm looking at, but it's still working. I'm making money off of them. Um, and this, you know, just my, my simple formula back then I can do in <laughs> 10 seconds. Right. This is, this is what it rents for. This is what I'm going to buy it for. And it's going to work out. It's just going to be okay. Yeah. Um, so once I felt confident in that, um, I don't, I don't need to think I just act. And so I see something pop up and this is back before everybody was buying as soon as stuff popped up on the market. But yeah. I see something pop up on the market and I, I make a, you know, I see the pictures and take a risk, but I make an offer before looking at it. I know that the bank is going to, is going to take it. I put a little contingency in there so that I can still walk through it, but they're happy because I, I made a, an offer right. and there weren't that many offers back then. And so the thing that made me, I guess, stand out back then was just, um, just being quick to quick to action, I guess. Yeah. Um, I had confidence in my ability to make something even if there wasn't something, you know, that's, that's what we're all doing. Right. That's, that's why you make money selling houses because there's a problem with it. Right. Can you solve that problem? Maybe. Can somebody else solve it better? Maybe. So let's sell it to them because you can, yeah. you can be a middleman there, you know? Um, so every house that's a great deal, there's a reason. Um, so yeah. can you solve that problem quicker, cheaper, better than somebody else? And I've just, I think it's just maybe natural that, that I've always been able to kind of shift and, and figure things out. Like how, can, okay, that's not going to work. I, a couple of the houses I bought from you, I thought I was going to, um, I thought I was going to do rent to own on them and they sat on the market for a month and a half, two months. And that's not very long for some people, but for me, I'm just like, let's, let's move. Let's get yeah. this thing done. I'm tired of it sitting on my board. And so we turn a small office into a third bedroom and we rented section eight, and make a killing. There you I go. turn a garage and the other one, I turned the garage into a third bedroom, rented section eight, make a killing. Yeah. Um, so it just didn't turn out the way I thought it would, but it's like, okay, let's shift, adjust, make it work somehow. And if not, I just, if it's going to be a non cash flowing deal, I'd rather just, I'm okay losing some money right now to be done with it and just right. moving on. So rather than, make 30 bucks and have risk for the next, you know, 30 bucks a month and have some right. risk for the next X time. I'm like, Hey, I made a mistake. I can take the haircut now or I can wow. take it over the next 10 years. Let's just take it and move on and do better next time. So I've been pretty quick to action, I think. Um, and uh, also I think, you know, as you are more involved, you just know more people, you hear about more deals. Absolutely. And when you hear about something, after after the experience that you have, you tend to be okay if it seems too good to be true. Because it's like, okay, well, let's figure out why it seems too good to be true. Right. Even right. if even if it is, like, okay, well, let's make an offer on it and, and do something anyway. So problem with it that needs solved. Yeah, and yeah. and if I can do that, then even if I'm getting lied to about rent rates, okay, well, we can do this with it instead, and I can get more than that in rent right. rate. You know, right. so. 
you can kind of see the the stuff that seems too good to be true and decipher pretty quickly whether it is or isn't and uh just um yeah learning and learning i love it i love everything you said i love with the with the the changes in the market interest rates inflation pricing everything where it's at you see your strategies and any of your businesses changing uh in the next 90 days six months year 18 months how far out are you looking right now um my answer there is going to be different than most also a lot of people have the the mindset of you know i want to get here in five years which means i need to do this this year which means i need to do this this month and this tomorrow um I, I really do take things a day at a time and a deal at a time. So I'm looking five years forward on this apartment or on this um, development in yeah. Valley Center. But I'm looking zero days forward on what you're sending me because I cannot guarantee that you're going to send me one tomorrow that I love or 10 in the next two weeks that I love. And then I'm like, crap, I don't, I don't have the cash for all that. What am I going to do? <laughs> who, who should I partner with? You know, so, so I don't have like... Um, a specific strategy of I need to buy this many houses this year to be, to grow the way I want to. Everything is just kind of for me naturally grown and, and worked out. And so some people see that as maybe a, a lazy mindset, like, well, whatever happens happens. And that's not really the way it is because if nothing's happening, I'm bored out of my mind. And then I'm asking my builder, Hey, why, why haven't we found anything? Hey, right guy in Colorado, like, why, why haven't you sent me any lots to buy, you know, start looking for more land to, to develop, maybe start bugging more people for, you look uh, for busy work just to feel like you're doing something. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, maybe I dig back into commercial if, if I start getting bored, like let's find something that works there. So, um, I don't have a specific goal as far as strategies changing, it just changes how much I can pay for something. Uh, interest yeah. rate goes up. I can pay a little bit less. And so that's obviously the, the way appreciation uh, or inflation works. Yeah. The wrong word. Um, that's the way inflation works. You know, they, that's why they're um, expecting a downturn just because things aren't going to keep inflating the way they have been. So sure. yeah, it's just I, just, I just pay less. If other people want to pay more then I won't buy that one, but yeah. I get enough, deals across my table that that i i do get to pick and choose sure. what i want and what i think is going to work especially where you're at now like you don't, yeah. you don't need to go chase down deals this month it's cool if they happen that's just that's nice but you don't like you're not beating the bushes reaching out to wholesalers and agents and being like hey what do you got what do you got what do you got what do you got yeah and it's it's definitely interesting how perspective change thing changes things and just the different deals you do. My first apartment, I was like, my wife is Jessica. And I said, Jess, this is this is going to be a, a life changer. It's going to be a like this is going to be the deal of my lifetime. And then my second apartment, I was like, this one's even better. This is going to be amazing. <laughs> and it, they both were. And then the first development was going to be you know so great. And now I'm saying the same exact thing about this one because my development in Southeast Wichita, is 20 acres. This one in Valley Center is 80 acres, a little over 80 acres. And I'm telling her like. Man, if this thing works out the way I'm sketching it out to work, I'll be, I don't have to do anything else. You know, I'm just, yeah, invest this into, or I've got all those uh, multifamilies that I'm doing. But the truth is, I mean, it's all perspective. If I make 
this much money on that, then I'll need to make this much money on the next one to be. Right. So it's, it's kind of nerve wracking thinking, man, how am I going to find another exciting deal after, yeah. after this one's so exciting. But you know, I, um, after you start doing those things, after a 50 unit apartment complex seems reasonable or even, you know, definitely possible that you can go do that. Then as soon as it pops up, you're like, man, I wish it was bigger. And so yeah. you start like, oh, man. setting your site. Yeah. I mean, it's only 60 units. Like I'm looking for a hundred yeah. or more. Like, yeah, you start. You always so, move so your eyes just, line. Yeah. And you yeah, don't realize you're doing it until those deals start happening. But um, yeah, I mean, the real answer to your question is, you know, I, I want to keep doing what I'm doing, keep grabbing the deals that I can and, you know, um, just pay less if the interest rate is more or else raise rents. I mean, I think that's one of the biggest um, problems with a lot of property management companies is old Eddie's been in the property for 10 years. And so I need to keep his rent at 365000 or $365 a month. And yeah. it's like, well, that's an Eddie's not going to find that. Yeah. Eddie's not going to find that anywhere else. And so uh -huh. you're, you know, devaluing everybody else's property by doing that, but we're starting to, you know, in the last year or so starting to finally see rent rates going up. And so that's less of a problem now, but we're still behind the curve of, of the property values because people's sure. expected returns are lower now rent. than they used to be. Yeah. 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 What's your best piece of advice for a, a new investor. They've decided that they're going to start investing in real estate. They're not on the fence. They're doing it. They've either bought their first deal or they're working on their first or second deal. They're early stages, but they are doing it or they've made the decision to start doing it. What's your best piece of advice for them? Um, I really meant it when I said I wouldn't change anything about my path. So my best piece of advice is buy a house <clears throat> or a duplex that needs work and you live in that thing. You live in it and you hate your life for a year and you fix it up yourself. You save as much money as you can. Um, however you get it financed, get it financed. But I mean, the first step is just deciding that you're going to do it and actually doing it. So many people that I've talked to, they're like, oh man, you, you do real estate. That's awesome. Right. I'm going to, I want to do this someday. And I don't roll my eyes at people because everybody has dreams. But at the same time, I'm like, I hear it so often. I want to do this someday. I'm like, yeah, I wanted to do that someday. And then, and then I did it. Like, yeah, are you going to do it? Are you gonna do it? Yeah. So, I, I mean, I would really say it, it's nerve wracking for somebody to you live in one place and have this other investment. What's going to happen over there? Is it actually going to get fixed? Is it actually going to rent when it's done? What's going on at the property is going to get broken into. Just find a place that you're okay living in. Um, you know, it's not great. It doesn't have to be the slums though. But find a place that you can live there, fix it up, ask your wife to forgive you later. And, uh, <laughs> and if you can live there for a year, you're not going to pay any capital gains on, on what you sold it for. You can make $100,000. I don't remember what the limit is anymore because I haven't done that in, in a number of years now. But you can make a boatload of money and pay no capital gains tax on it. And so if if we'd been a little more patient... I wish we would have done it a couple more times. Yeah, more times. Um, yeah, we, we had a kid by the time we were moving out of that second house. And so it just mm -hmm. gets kind of sure. yucky having your kid in a construction zone. It's not very safe. But yeah, that if change. you're young, especially, or single or whatever, I mean, if you can live in the place that you're doing, fix it up yourself, have your friends over helping with demo and you're buying 
beer and pizza. A pizza. Yeah, beer and pizza, hundred bucks for two thousand dollars worth of work. I mean, it's just a no brainer, and they're happy to be helping you and and whatever else. But um, that's the way I started, and I, I just can't imagine having started any differently than that. Yeah. What about for someone that's on the fence, like the people that you're talking about? You know, the the oh, I wish you know I. I want to do that someday, or I wish I was in real estate. They're on the fence. They want to do it, but they haven't made that decision of go or no go. What would you tell them? Um, it's it's going to be a similar answer. So I would say most of the most of the people like that are you're not this way. Don't be offended, but most of them are probably renting somewhere. So they haven't had like the the feeling of power that comes with owning some owning yeah. a piece of real estate. Right. So um, I'm not particularly a Dave Ramsey guy, but if you're driving a Jag and you don't have enough money to put $10,000 down on a rental then you need to sell that um, and you need to, to try something different. And, yeah. and that would be where, to put that money. Where toward, are your priorities? Yeah. I, I mean, if that's you and you're just not willing to give up comfort right now, mm-hmm. It's just not, I don't want to tell anybody to give up, but it's like, no, no, I'm going to, I'm going to keep my comfort. I'm going to keep my $80,000 a year job and I'm going to keep spending all that on me, yep. but I also want to invest. You don't want to invest. Yeah. You think you want to invest, but you don't. Yeah. You um, like the idea of it, but you certainly don't like the execution and like the tacticality of it. That's not for you. Yeah. Um. So, and, and that's fine. That works for a ton of people. Totally fine. Just don't complain about it. <laughs> yeah, just don't be like, oh, yeah. man, oh, wish I had money to invest. Well, you can, yeah, do it. You just don't want to. Yeah, you're living in a. Some of them, you know, living in a loft downtown for eighteen hundred bucks, twenty five hundred bucks a month, and they're they're living the high life, going out every night, loving it. And boy, your life is great. And so, are you gonna are you gonna spend your money living life now, or are you gonna spend your money to where? you just have amazing wealth in the future and you don't have to do it anymore. Um, so we gave up a lot of comfort. Um, we still did, did just fine, but we gave up a lot of comfort for five years where we could have done all kinds of different things. And yeah, I mean, it's not like you were living now, in a cardboard box. You live, yeah. you were living in the construction zone basement. So it was the next, it was one step above cardboard <laughs> box, but yes, but we, we did sacrifice then and it's, it's really paid off tenfold now because it's not directly proportionate, but the more you sacrifice up front for the bigger number of years, like I said, I, I wish we would have done it one more time. And then I would have been even further right now because right. we wouldn't be spending, you know, we wouldn't have the mortgage that we have on our house and uh, you know, we maybe wouldn't have the vehicles that we have now, but if we'd still dialed back, but at some point it just starts to slowly, slowly shift where you can't afford those things and still uh, do, do the real estate stuff that you want to do. So yeah, if you're on the fence and you, you really just need to do a budget. If you're saying I can't afford it, you can probably afford it. I've heard some crazy stories about people that budget down, dial it back, change where they're living, change what they're driving. And they're a year and a half away from being debt free. They're another year and a half away from having ten, fifteen thousand $15,000 saved up. And yeah, it takes three years. It's not going to happen in three days, but um, little changes here and there. And you know, a little bit of luck and start talking to the right people and, right. and it'll happen for, for you too. It really will. That's right. I mean, you and I, we met at like a little cocktail in like an impromptu happy hour thing 
with like an hour's notice, everybody just kind of got together and we met, exchanged information. And now we transact and do business every month together. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it the networking piece, shaking the right hands, meeting the right people, putting yourselves in bigger rooms, putting yourself where you're big fish, little pond over here, take yourself out, be a little fish in a big pond. And I mean, I had, I had very little business being at that table with everybody else, but it was like, I'm here and I've always done everything I can to put myself in bigger rooms or in conversations. I have no business being, I have no reason to be here. There's no reason I should have got an invite, but I did. And I'm going to make, I'm taking advantage of it, making the most of it while I'm here. Cause everybody at this table we could all benefit from each other. And if I can take something out of every every everybody here, not in a bad way, but if we can transact with everybody at this table, this was 50 bucks on old fashions well spent. So and, <laughs> yeah, and, and it, that's the same way I feel about this conversation here. I don't yeah. feel I honestly don't feel qualified. I mean to, oh, to give advice to anybody, honestly. I've First, first time I've done anything where, uh, like on a wider scale, people are listening to me for some sort of advice. So, um, I, I really, I'm truly honored that, uh, somebody might take something from the mistakes I've made and the successes I've had. And, uh, you know, maybe we'll get some more management out of it. There we go. There we go. Cody, how can people reach out to you or reach out to Satan Grace? What's the best way for someone to get in contact with you? Uh, so new clients um, often go through me, uh, also through Kelly. We probably split those 50-50. Kelly Sigler is my business partner uh, on that. We don't have a website. We're still we're still small time, but, um, you know, text, email. Uh, my text. In the uh, show notes. I'll, put your, uh, I'll put your email in the notes below if anybody wants to get in contact with him. Yep, perfect. Uh, just more information. We do all kinds of things. It's not just that we expect you to have the, the perfect house for us and we walk in and manage it. I walk through deals for people that have, we manage for two or three clients from California, different places oh, uh, nice. nationally that have never set foot on the property. We do walkthroughs, we do pictures, we do advice on on how to remodel it. So um, a lot of people online ask for for mentors. I won't uh, spend time every day with you mentoring you, but if you want me to walk through a couple of houses with you to see if they're good fits, I'll walk through them with you and, and we'll uh, um, spend that time for free with the expectation that, hey, if you, if you buy a couple of houses. We'd like to manage them for you or at least have the opportunity to price that out. Love it. Love it. Love leading with value like that. That's the way to, that's the way to start any new relationships to bring more to the table than you take away. So Cody, thank you very much. You're honored. I'm stoked. I was so excited that you agreed <laughs> to be on here because I know so many people are going to take so much away from all the different facets of everything you're doing. This was an episode I was looking forward to doing for a long time. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'll let you get back to your very, very busy time juggling your myriad of real estate empires. <laughs> so thank you again. Have a good one. I'm sure we'll be talking to you later this afternoon after we get a new house to sell to you. All right. Sounds great. Thanks a lot, man. Yeah. Later, Cody. Thanks for listening to this episode of REI Rocket Fuel. For even more content, follow us on social media or head over to www.reirocketfuel.com.